Welcome to Strength for Today's Pastor, conversations with current senior pastors and leaders which will strengthen and help you in your pastoral ministry. And now, here's your host, Bill Holdridge of Poyman Ministries. Welcome to podcast episode 103 of Strength for Today's Pastor. We're blessed to have with us today Pastor David Rosales. David is the founding and senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Chino Valley in Chino, California, and has been with this church for 40-plus years. David is supported in ministry by his wife, Marie. They have four grown children and 11 grandchildren. His radio ministry, a sure foundation, is broadcast daily all over the U.S., and he also has a podcast with Bible studies and goes live on his Facebook page every week to discuss various topics of ministry and current events. David, thanks so much for joining us today. It's a blessing to be with you, Bill. Well, you know, thanks so much, David. I want to say this for your faithful exposition of God's Word. When I was pastoring in Monterey, and I was there for 27 years, uh, we had you on our local radio station, KKMC, and I'd often listen to you and and see you at conferences. And it's just blessed me and many others over the year. And I want to just thank you for that, uh, because you've been faithful to the Word of God. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm encouraged. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome, and and I I learned from your website some things I hadn't known about you, and for example that you'd served in the U.S. Army in the '70s, the early '70s. Thank you for serving; that's a blessing. And I also learned that you'd received a welcome letter from Pastor Chuck, which welcomed your uh, you into the fellowship of the Calvary Chapel Fellowship uh, as an affiliate. And and I learned that we were affiliated from the Last Times Magazine about the same time. Uh, do you still have that letter? I bet that letter is pretty precious to you. I sure do. We have it. Uh, I, one of my secretaries has it stored away in one of the file cabinets, and uh, and it is very precious to me to get that letter. And and uh, and all we had, um, we started our church in 1981, and initially we had gone by the name of uh, Ontario Christian Chapel. And so I had been with the Calvary Chapels for a while, and so I contacted uh, Costa Mesa and requested affiliation. And at first they said, uh, no, there used to be, as you remembered, there used to be a uh, kind of a limit. They didn't want churches too close to one another. And so at first there was a, a church out here called Calvary Chapel Chino, which is the city right next to Ontario. And so they said, no, you're a bit too close. But I wrote again, and... Um, that time the letter didn't even, uh, I d- didn't get a response. And then finally I just wrote to Chuck and I said, Chuck, you know, this is who I am. This is what we're doing. And so we were recognized as an affiliate in 82. We started the church in 81, but we became Calvary Chapel officially in 82. It's a great story. And it was so simple and it is simple if we're just in line with what God is doing in the fellowship of churches we have, then... We're in. <laughs> That's wonderful. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, I thought we could talk today about some of the areas of life and ministry that you see as important for today's senior pastors. As you know, appointment uh, ministers, uh, that's what we do. We serve senior pastors and serve many Calvary Chapel pastors in, in a lot of different ways. And, and so I thought that would be a good subject for us to tackle as an overview And so I'm entitling this podcast, Lessons for Today's Senior Pastors. 
So you were saved in 1970 during the Jesus Movement revival and at the tail end of the turbulent 60s, as I'll call them. And uh, it seems to me that today's world is just as turbulent as it was in the 60s and early 70s, maybe even more so, and maybe even more dangerous. So I wanted to start off by just asking you this question, David. What comparisons or contrasts do you draw between the era of the 60s and, and the times we're living in today? You know, there are many similarities. I suspect that there's nothing new under the sun, like Solomon said. So there are, there are you know, various things that I would say that today's uh, youth are experiencing, perhaps not exact, but very similar things. Like we had in, in the 60s, uh, and I know you grew up at the same time, you know, we had a lot of things going on. We had the Vietnam War. We had the assassination of JFK, the assassination of his brother, Robert, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. We had racial riots, civil rights protests, marches. There were takeovers of universities like Berkeley and Harvard, San Francisco State. We had the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Berlin Wall, hippies in San Francisco. Music became a political tool. The press was hiding stories they didn't want to, to make public. Um, you know, for example, I wonder how many people have ever heard of the Beatle Babies, you know? Or, or the affairs, or even heard that there was the possibility of affairs of, that JFK had or Bobby had. You know, we had our own version of climate concerns, but instead of global warming, we're warned about a new ice age. And so we have very similar things that we're going through today that back in the 60s uh, and early 70s that we were still dealing with. So I see many similarities. But the difference is, and I think it's very a very real difference, is my generation, the generation I came from, I was 20 when I got saved, had a greater belief in general that uh, Christianity was a, a good faith to practice and that uh, and the Bible could be trusted. Uh, today's generation doesn't have good feelings in general about either one of those. Don't necessarily feel that Christianity has much of value to, to offer the world and they don't believe the Word of God. And those are, uh, those are differences, you know, because if you had taken a survey in the 60s, how many people believe in a God? You know, there, there was a, a waning of that. I mean, Time Magazine made that clear that the question was asked, is God dead? But a couple of years later, on the same magazine, they said the Jesus Revolution. So mm. there was a waning of that in our day. But uh, God did a supernatural thing and uh, started that revival, called it the Jesus, we called it the Jesus Movement. You know, we had mm -hmm. a Jesus culture, we were a Jesus community and all of that. And that all came because of the faithful preaching of the Word of God. And we got that in, in my early days, obviously through Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa with Pastor Chuck. There were other men out there who were doing works for the Lord, and God bless them for it. But I got saved and started fellowshipping with the uh, Calvary Chapel ministry. And ultimately what happened to me is I, I got drafted. I went into the service, and I was gone for a couple of years. And, and all. But my roots initially were Calvary Chapel. So living in the, in the times we're living in, the post-Christian era, as some have, have called it and you just described, uh, is that discouraging to you at all, or are you encouraged? What are you seeing? You know, and I think it can go both ways. I get discouraged because I see the, the sorrow, the pain, and the chaos, you know, by watching people who profess to know Christ or be Christian, who are in fact living as if he doesn't exist. You know, we call them practical atheists. Mm -hmm. 
you know they um they claim one thing but they're doing another you know and uh, that that's bothersome to me because it really has a tendency of diluting the power of the message through the hypocrisy of the practitioners so that's discouraging to me and yet i'm encouraged because even in the midst of this uh this time with uh, COVID-19 and all, in our church is, is, is remaining healthy. God is still saving people. There's still a movement of his spirit here. And I think that there's a, a fresh uh, awakening on the part of some of the believers. And I think that that's a possibility that that'll expand. So I, I have hope. I think that as long as you have breath, you have hope. And, uh, and I just want to serve the Lord as faithfully as I can in these last days, even as I did in my beginnings. That's great. So, you know, I'm here in East Texas. That's where we live now, David. And I just got out of a prayer meeting this morning with some other pastors from the area and many of them praying for revival. Do you think there can be another revival in today's world as there was 50 years ago, or maybe a revival that looks a little different than that one did, or maybe something's uh, a little bit similar? And if so, if you do believe there can be, what conditions do you think must be met for that to happen? You know, I, I think it's always possible for the Lord to bring fresh wind. Uh, I don't ever want to, to say that he can't or determine what he can do. You know, Tozer once pointed out that when the, in the midst of the darkest times, God has always, you know, brought a bright light. And he had written that just prior to the Jesus movement, you know, and so... Hmm. I, I believe there's a possibility, but one of the things that concerns me is how the church in, in, in its uh, presentation of the gospel seems to have forgotten the power of the message, and we've gone into, um, I think, changing the texture of what it means to, to be in fellowship at a church or to even be a pastor. You know, I was sharing with uh, our leadership the other day that the platform in churches have become a stage, and the pastor has become an entertainer, mm. and the worship has become entertainment, and the church has become an audience. Mm. And in many places that's true because the lack of Bible teaching has produced a, uh, a group of sheep who are lacking in discernment. And uh, that concerns me because, you know, I believe that God's people are, are perishing for lack of knowledge. I think that a lot of pastors, not all pastors, of course, but a good many of them, at least the ones who are best known, have strayed from the Word of God and are, are preaching personal experience and, and trying to reach emotions for transformation. Mm -hmm. That concerns me, you know, because it's the power of the Word that transforms a life when received in faith and practice. And yet it seems that a lot of pastors are tempted to fill their pews. And I've shared before at pastors' conferences, I've shared with pastors, you know, you can have a full church and empty people. And if you don't give them the Word of God, if you don't encourage them to live for Christ, if you're not actually teaching the passage and, and all, you're going to end up with fluff. You're going to have a large group of people who don't really know Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of plays into the, the uh, statements Jesus made concerning the, the wheat and the tares that are found in the same field. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've shared with the church, you know, how is it that people who are tares can be satisfied to remain tares and stay amongst that which is wheat? Mm. And the answer is it's watered down messages mm. where the pastors aren't preaching the whole counsel of God and thus the people who are seated in the pew are not getting God's word as it should be given with conviction sometimes, you know? 
And what happens is they become satisfied that they're okay because they're church attenders. Uh, I, I believe that that's, that's a, a danger, and, and yet it's a, something that exists even right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's hope as long as we preach the gospel, as long as we continue seeking the face of God, as long as we continue to have uh, fellowship with like-minded people mm-hmm. and realize that, that just because the church is full doesn't mean that the church is healthy and doesn't even mean that the church is real. So the only thing that makes it real is the transformed people who are true believers in Christ. And if we do that, if, if we stay close to the Lord, stay close to his word and walk in the power of his spirit, and if we're united in prayer seeking God, I would love to see him do a fresh move. What I hear you saying is that if we basically change the way we look at spiritual growth or spiritual health, healthy sheep, we change the way we look at it, we're going to make sure our, our methods produce that. Yeah. But if somebody's got their goal as having a full church or a, a large church or whatever, then they're going to change their goal and they're going to water down their message. Absolutely. Methods can, meth, methods can change, but the message shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe we need to be aware of the fact that if we start watering down that message, then we're only going to end up with watered down people. Mm-hmm. So definitely, we need to be true. We need to to love. You know, Paul's taught us speaking the truth in love. Yeah. You know, we need to do that. And we need to be aware of the fact that if we tell people the truth, like Paul said, have I therefore become your enemy? You know, if I'm telling you the truth, why are you so mad at me? So okay. I, I just think that we need to fear God more than the people. You know, when God called Jeremiah, he said, don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be intimidated by them. Speak the truth. And and receive the consequences of doing so. I think the pastors need to, to, uh, to remain there, you know, to, to, with love and courage, speak forth what God's Word says. And so many people are afraid to be canceled, you know, which is kind yeah. of an odd yeah. thing today, you know. And so I think a long time ago, and, and I told the church this, from me coming out of the hippie background that I did, I already was canceled <laughs> by the existing society. You know, I already know what it feels like to be not liked or respected or spoken against. I already know that. I, I knew that as a, as a person who didn't know Christ. So I, I had to a long time ago decide that if, it, if I want to honor someone, uh, it would be the Lord. And if I want to be honored by someone, naturally I want to hear the well done from the, the lips of Jesus. And so, you know, I think every pastor needs to just speak the truth in love, but make sure that they speak the truth. Well, that seems to me to be what you've been doing for a lot of years, David. And, you know, you, you ex- exegete the text, you exposit the text, you let the hearers understand what's in the text, you provide application. I don't hear any watering down at all, and that's, that's what you're saying, and, and I totally agree with it. I, and thanks for that insight. Which isn't new insight, of course, but it's important insight. I mean, we we got to stick with with the truth, and, and that's the ultimate thing that matters today. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah. Well, back to the Jesus movement, which you alluded to earlier. We've been talking about. Uh, it wasn't only a move of God among young people, although many young people came to Christ. But speaking about the younger generations, you know the. As you alluded to earlier, you know, your heart breaks over the young people and the things they're going through, maybe their sins, their bondages, and so on. And certainly the Lord wants to reach them. So uh, what, what troubles you about what young people are going through today? And, and how can young people today be reached? Is there anything 
that you've learned that could be helpful in that? You know, one of the things that I that I'm very saddened by and troubled by is the breakup of the of the home. You know, because in the breaking up of the home, the children are being abandoned, and uh, you know that wasn't that wasn't common in my generation, frankly. I mean, as I grew up uh, in Norwalk, California, uh, on my in my neighborhood, there were there were maybe two. Uh, homes that didn't have dads, you know, two homes that had single mamas, uh, but people uh, remained in their in their vows of marriage back at that time, and and it produced uh, you know more stability for the society. Whereas today, you know, a large percentage now, a growing percentage of children born um, in uh, Hispanic homes and black homes and all, um, you know, they're they're really fatherless children. And so the mothers um, are, some of them are doing the, you know, the best that they can do. And I thank God for their, for their attempts. But with the absence of, of a father at home, with the absence of guidance and discipline and, and a healthy dose of learning to, to uh, live under authority, uh, we're seeing the result of that. We're seeing that, that uh, the children, fatherless children are, are, are struggling mightily. That is very difficult. Mm-hmm. And in, in our church, what we what we started a, a little while back now is is a ministry for the um, fatherless uh, children. You know, especially are concentrating on the young boys. And we have uh, men who have volunteered to disciple and mentor children, boys, to try at least to step in to some degree to be a male figure in their life and to teach them. Um, some of the basics that they would teach their own sons. And, uh, you know, that's the best that we can do at this moment as it relates to them. And obviously we do the other things that we can do to reach the young adults and give them a place of fellowship and teach them the word and all. But, you know, the thing I, I read a while back that, that was greatly disturbing was related to statistics and divorce. And uh, this one um, organization that was presenting their facts stated that atheists have a a, a smaller divorce rate than evangelical Christians. Hmm. And so that really, really caused me uh, dismay, to be honest with you, that, yeah. that we've taken the grace of God and excused sometimes sinful decisions, whereas an atheist seems to sometimes have a greater sense of integrity and what it means to, to, to say, I'll love you forever. That bothers mm-hmm. me. And so I think that within the confines of the church, you know, we need to stress, uh, uh, you know, healthily stress, you know, uh, marriage and commitments. And, and that's why in our fellowship, that's why we have uh, couple studies, you know, and couples ministries and, and things of that nature, mentoring for, uh, for newlyweds and even sometimes mentoring those who have been married for several years, you know, to teach them principles of, of living for Christ and all of that. So, yeah, that troubles me to see the uh, the world the way that it is where boys think they're girls and girls think they're boys, and it and I've seen girls who are more masculine acting than boys, and uh, I, I've seen that quite often, and uh, because of that, uh, that that's caused me great concern. Mm-hmm. I I love what you're saying, David, because you've the the people in the fellowship have have decided to just be personal in doing this mentoring and. And, and enter into families, one family at a time, as they're able and as God gives them opportunity. And that's got to be making a difference. I, I can imagine that's just making a huge difference. 
I believe that it is. We, um, one of my guys who handles the couples ministry the other day was telling me about that. He was saying that a couple that he had been meeting with and all in that, in that ministry, he said when they first came in, the wife said, I'm 80% ready to get out of here. You know, I'm, I'm, it's over for me. Mm. And so what the husband did is he actually started to read the Word of God and put it into practice. And uh, that was over a year ago, and my friend was telling me that uh, there's been tremendous changes in the husband. And the husband really realized that, um, that the Word of God wasn't just for his wife, it was for him too. Mm-hmm. And when he actually started practicing that, when he actually began to, to do what the Scripture says, their marriage changed. Just last night I was saying that to the church. I was saying, you know, you need to make a determination to do what it says, not just to know what it says. Mm-hmm. And it's in the doing where you have the growing, mm-hmm. you know, and God manifests himself through his word. And so I said that a lot of people only open their Bibles when they're in a Bible study. Mm-hmm. They only open it when the pastor says, let's turn our Bibles to this book. That's mm-hmm. the only time they read it. And because that's the only time they read it, they're not being fed by it. So they're being fed by a source, which is the world, and the world is going to do nothing but destroy. You know, the world is, is filled with bad news, and that produces fear, and fear has torment. And because they're not in the Word of God and gaining the assurance God can give to them through His Word, they end up out there trying to battle w- without the sword. Mm-hmm. You know, so I really think that that's what our church is all about, you know, is we, we want to make sure that the people know God's Word and know the God of the Word and then walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And those are the things that we see as keys that help us to live for Christ, mm-hmm. you know. I've been asked, how, how, have, how have you remained faithful to God for 50 years? It's through those things, you know. It's not like I've had a perfect walk by any means, but mm-hmm. it's that I've believed in God, I believed in His Word, I believe in the power of His Spirit, I believe you should be transformed by it, and, and that's how I try to live. And I encourage our church to do, to do the same, and hopefully, Every pastor is doing that because that's the answer. Absolutely, and that will reflect itself in families being healed and children being raised well and the culture being changed one family, one unit at a time. Well, at this time, we're going to take a brief break, and then we're going to resume our discussion with Pastor David Rosales concerning lessons for senior or lead pastors from David's almost 50 years of ministry. We'll be back soon. You've been listening to Strength for Today's Pastor. Poinman Ministries appreciates your participation and prayers. If you'd like to help financially support this podcast, you can go to our website at poinmanministries.com forward slash donate. Thank you. Okay, so we're back with Pastor David Rosales of Calvary Chapel, Chino Valley, California. We're talking about ministry lessons for today's senior pastor. We were talking about younger people and how families can be reached and some of the things God is doing at their fellowship. So back to the Word of God, David. I've really appreciated the way uh, you have held fast to the faithful Word, as Paul told Titus, uh, that you've been taught so that you may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict, Titus 1.9. And you've also, from the way I've viewed you from, from a distance, You've kept ahead of the curve and given consistent heads up to the church about dangers that are in the road, dangers doctrinal, dangers practical. So looking at all that, because this is what you do. I mean, you're, you're responding to the culture with the Word of God. You're not forming the Word of God according to the culture. You're doing just the opposite. You're challenging the culture with the Word of God. 
So what major threats or challenges do you see today that are, that are coming against the church and against believers that are maybe bigger than others, ones that we got to zero in on that, make sure that that's, that's dealt with head on? One of the things that I'm concerned with, and I, we've already alluded to this a few times, but it, it's a consistent thing that I'm concerned about. It's the lack of, of uh, teaching and applying Scripture. You know, I've, I've heard over the years more than once where someone said he taught a particular passage, but when I've heard the teaching of that passage, he didn't actually teach what the passage was saying. So that concerns me. Um, there are some of the better known pastors are out uh, right now, and people love them, and, and they're out saying things that, that uh, you and I, as we hear them say it, we would scratch our head, and we would wonder, where in the world did you get that? Because that's, that's not what the Scripture says, right? So mm-hmm. I, I see that as being a, a major danger in the, um, in the changing of the Word of God. I tell the church, I said, you know, God's Word never changes, but it intends to change us. Yeah. And so we can't be, uh, we can't be modifying it to suit the, the taste of the hearer, which is a symptom of the last days. You know, uh, I was, uh, I'll give you an example, Bill. I was um, listening to uh, a young preacher who is expositing a passage related to, um, to Elijah and the prophets of Baal and how um, he was speaking about how the, uh, the people gave their water and he took that water and he poured it on the sacrifice and just poured it over seven times and all of that filled it up. And the young pastor was saying something to effect, where did he get that water from? Seeing that he said it's a time where it's no rain, where did he get that water from? And then he said he got it from the people who were hoarding it for their own use and they sacrificially gave that water so that he could use it on a sacrifice and therefore everyone should be more generous and sacrificial in their offerings to God and that's when he he received an offering to support ministry, right? So I was in Israel and I was with my Messianic Christian Jewish guide and I asked him, I said, let me hear you, because we're at Mount Carmel, so I said, uh, this is what somebody said. I said, give me your perspective of that. I said, was there no water in Israel? Did they not have cisterns that they would hoard thousands of water and save it for times of drought? I said, um, you know, what is, what is being said? And he said, well, if you, if you were able to look around the grounds that we're at right now, he said, there are many springs. He said, it didn't rain, but that doesn't mean there wasn't any water in the ground. He said, and so to use that as an example of pouring out sacrificially is just incorrect application of Scripture. And yet this guy's out there giving this powerful message on TV and encouraging people to give sacrificially, when in fact that's not what the point was of that passage at all. And so I've told my guys, um, you know, none of us can be 100% faithful, by the way, to what I'm about to say, Mm -hmm. but I've told my guys when you exposit the word, you need to imagine for a moment that the apostle Paul is sitting out there, you're reading (laughs) one of his letters, and at the end of the study, he'll look at you and say, that's exactly what I intended to say. There you go. I say, you have to be careful. You have to be careful that you don't just say something to tickle the ears of the hearers. So I, I, I think that as, as a pastor, what we need to do is tremble at the word of God like Isaiah records God's statement. This is the one I will look upon, the one who trembles at my word. Uh, I really believe that we, we really need to be very careful how we, how we divide God's word. And a second thing, I was just telling my, my men yesterday in a meeting that we need, to, we need to walk in the power of His Holy Spirit, 
because I believe that's what's, what's happening and what we Calvary Chapel pastors need to be careful with is what's happening right now is we're quenching the spirit or in danger of doing so by substituting methodologies over the simple walking in the power of the Spirit of God. And so I told my guys yesterday, make sure that you're walking in the Spirit because I don't want to hear any plans that you've thought up without God's guidance in those plans. And, and you know, when, when, so when you're, when you're wanting to do something to please the Lord, make sure that you've discovered that through prayer and make sure that's a Spirit-led thing. So those two things, you know and I know, we were, we taught, were taught by Chuck. You know, it's the it's power of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And all of that should be in, in the power of prayer, you know, praying over the things that we do. And I, I just think that we, we have fallen into the danger, some have fallen into the danger of thinking popularity is spirituality. Mm -hmm. You know, just because somebody likes you and you can, you can speak well, well, that's what they said. That's what God said to Ezekiel when he said, you know, son of man, the people are coming and they're listening to you and to you to them you are someone who sings well and plays well on a stringed instrument he said they come and they sit before you as if they're my people they even invite people they say come and hear the word of the lord he says so they sit before you as if they're my people but they are not my people hmm. he says because they hear but they do not do hmm. and so i really believe that the the evidence of a, a ministry is having sheep that hear and do not just that show up on sunday or a wednesday or an event and that I think we have to be very careful because we cannot, we cannot in any way think that we have success based on numbers and based on finances. We, I used to call it nickels and numbers, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We've got money and we've got a crowd. But I think that the crowd is not necessarily the church. You know, the church sometimes is found within that crowd. But it's mm -hmm. not necessarily the church. You may have just a crowd showing up because they're pleased with the things you're saying. So those are dangers that I, I, I am well acquainted with and I try to remain aware of in my ministry. So the pastor that's doing those things, teaching, preaching the Word of God in its context with proper exposition, proper explanation, proper study and exegesis, and walks in the power of the Holy Spirit, then the results are going to be what the Holy Spirit produces and you, you give glory and praise to God. But the pastor who doesn't do those things, I mean, a lot of people are praying, and I know you're, you're praying this way, I'm praying this way, a lot of people are praying this way, that the Lord would restore the power of the Word of God to the pulpit by changing the pastor's hearts and their inclinations towards the Word, to let it be about the Scriptures and about the Spirit. Amen. You know, we have in my... In my um platform on the wall directly behind me, this scripture out of John 12, we would see Jesus. Mm. And, you know, Bill, you know how it is. You've been in the ministry a long time. I mean, you know, you stand out there and you want to thrill them with the things that you know or the people you know. You know, you're dropping information. Oh, I was in such and so city. I did such and so thing. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes our church needs to hear that God is using us in other places, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But when we begin to drop names and drop accomplishments, mm -hmm. then we've obviously made it about us. Mm -hmm. And that's why, when, you know, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 1, that's why it speaks out to me, you know, when he speaks about not having many wise according to the world, etc. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, the, our followers of Christ, because God doesn't want any man to glory in his own flesh, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I really think that a key to, to, uh, to successful, quote-unquote, ministry 
is just doing it as unto the Lord and walking humbly with him, which is what he has called us to do anyway. Mm -hmm. And we really make a big mistake, especially when pastors get together in conferences or whatever, and we haven't seen somebody for a long time, or we're meeting a new guy. We really make some big mistakes when we start gravitating to how long have you been in the ministry? How big is your church? Do you mm -hmm. have your own building? Those are all practical things to talk about. But when they become the thing that we talk about over what's God doing in your soul, I think there's a problem. And so, you know, I, I'm real, real strong about that. I, I, I really believe that the Lord wants us to always give him the glory, whatever he does. You know, whether it seems to be great numbers or less, you know, as long as we remain, we, we remain faithful to him and do it as unto him and do the most faithful things that we can, then we can have satisfaction at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Because accomplishments, you know, God is the one who does it. And, you know, one man sows, another man waters, mm -hmm. and you know, but God brings the increase, you know. And so uh, we need to keep our eyes on those things. That's, what's ma that's what matters in the end. And from what you just said, I'm hearing, and don't let the crowds fool you. Just because there are a bunch of people coming to listen to you doesn't mean you're great stuff. <laughs> Well, the same ones who say the same ones who say the voice of a god, the voice of a god, yeah. are the ones yeah. who curse you behind your back anyway, <laughs> right? So, what does that matter? That's right. That's right. Well, those answers, by the way, strike me as being the all-encompassing, overarching. Uh, it's almost like um, inoculating sheep true sheep against spiritual disease that might come their way. Once they're filled with the Spirit and they have the Word of God, they're going to recognize the voice of wolves. They're going to recognize false doctrine. They're going to say, not so. That's not what my Bible says. That's not what your Bible says, Pastor. You know, they're just going to get it right because they've been fed well, taught well, and they're in the Word themselves. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen to that. Well, if you had a group of 100 senior pastors in front of you right now, and I know you've had this experience many times, but right now at this moment in 2021, in March of 2021, what would be the top three areas of encouragement that you'd like to share with them? Well, one would be to just continue to serve the Lord faithfully and allow him to bring the reward as he determines. You know, serving faithfully, that's what God says. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. So if I were speaking to pastors, I'd say, you know, God doesn't say, well done, my good and successful servant. He says, my good and faithful servant. And so to keep our eyes on the prize and to make sure that the things we're doing are the things that he would want us to do. And the second is to accomplish those things in the utilization of his word and his spirit, as we've already said several times. Mm -hmm. But a third encouragement would be for the pastors to have fellowship with other pastors, to, you know, if a, if a guy has a church not too far from them, to make sure that you don't get into a competition with them and get upset about their success when you feel that you're not succeeding and, and you can have so much jealousy and all of that, to, to make sure that you love the brethren, including the pastors who are in, in your area that are true to the Word of God, to have fellowship, and then to hold fast. Because I think in the time of COVID, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, Bill. I mean, you know, it's been a year now since everything shut down. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was in Israel in the February of last year and uh, returned to the word that we were going to have uh, here in California, a shutdown of all the churches. And so we shut down for for a few weeks. And, and I remember I was listening to the news with my son and uh, how they said, 
churches will be shuttered. You're not going to be able to meet anymore. And I, I looked at my son Joseph and I said, you know, Joseph, I knew that I'm, I know that I'm getting to the age where I'm going to have to consider what my future should be in my fellowship. But I said to him, to be honest with you, I, never, I knew that one day I would not be pastoring the church. I just didn't know that it would happen like this at this time. Mm -hmm. I was very discouraged, Bill, and so my son started to, you know, try and encourage me. I mean, you know, he, he's never, he doesn't see me that way, and I teared up. And so I, I, I said, son, you really don't understand, you know, which he's not a pastor, and he, he didn't, he, it's not that he, did, he couldn't, it's just he didn't have the practical experience to, to know what I was trying to say. So I went to bed. And I prayed, and, and I sought the Lord, and went to sleep, got up the next morning, and, uh, you know, now we don't have any church services. And so I was praying, and I was asking the Lord, I was saying, you know, God, uh, we don't receive that many, uh, that much support online. The majority, obviously, is through the giving here at the church. And now that nobody's going to be here, and only 35% of the offering uh, comes through online giving, Lord, what are you going to do? And Bill, I was driving to the office because I continued coming to the office. And uh, as I was coming to the office, uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord reminded me of something that God had impressed me with uh, when our church was maybe a year old, which was, you know, at that time we were looking for a place to meet and we couldn't find one. Everything seemed to be closed or we couldn't afford, you know, a small fellowship and all. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart a word that I've never forgotten but I had kind of forgotten at this time where he said, I didn't raise you up to let you fall. And as I was on my way to the mm -hmm. office, I was praying and the Holy Spirit reminded me, I, I heard those words again in my heart. I didn't raise you up to let you fall. And so I came to the office and I was speaking to um, my administrative assistant who handles the, um, the giving. And he said, you know what happened? Mm -hmm. He said, um, uh, uh, we received a check from uh, a woman who is recently widowed, and the amount of money she gave through her check, which was, I'm, I'm supposing, from the insurance policy her husband had, he said, has put us in the place that we need to be to make our, our offering. And so every week after that, um, when our church was closed down, because we closed down from March 3rd until uh, May 31st, uh, the Lord you know, supplied even abundantly above what we had been um, receiving. As a matter of fact, we actually saw an increase of about 15% in giving when we weren't even meeting. Hmm. And so to me, that was a great, a, a great you know, shot in my, in my arm of God saying, you know, I'm with you. I didn't raise you up to let you fail. And so what we did here is for the first uh, few weeks of that, of uh, that uh, shutdown, I would come to the uh, church and I would be in the parking lot. Anybody who showed up, and many people would come to drop off an offering, I would minister to them, visit with them, did that for weeks, you know, and then one day the Holy Spirit said, it's time to open up, and, and I told my church, you know what, because what happened is they had a pastor appreciation parade. I was there, and people <laughs> drove up, about 150 people uh -huh. who came came up on a Sunday morning, and and they said, uh, you know, Pastor, we just want to let you know that we're supportive of you and we're praying for you. So I took him into our chapel and we had a time of worship and devotion. And then the next week, did it again, this time going into the sanctuary the week after that. So I started meeting with those who showed up. They voluntarily were here. And as a shepherd, I'm not going to ignore them. So I just started doing Sunday mornings devotions with them. And then finally, in May 31st, 
I, I told the church, I said, you know what, because the Lord had put it on my heart to start meeting again. I said, we're going to meet again. If you want to come, come. If you don't, it's understandable. And so we started meeting, you know, on Pentecost Sunday and uh, haven't stopped. The thing is, is our church is not full strength as it was, but we're seeing more people online um, than ever before. So we're able to reach more people. And, um, and, and God is providing financially through the giving of our people. And he's taught me lessons, Bill, that, that uh, I learned when our church began, but I needed to learn again. That is fantastic. <laughs> I just love that story. I really do. And, you know, I hear versions of that story a lot from other pastors as well, as I'm sure you do too. But God has been faithful, and he hasn't. I love that line. He has not raised us up in order that we might fall. He's, he's lays us, and he's going to sustain us. He sustains what he begins. It's just, it's just wonderful. What confidence we have in the Lord. So great, so great. Well, you know, we're, we're, you're talking a little bit about COVID-19 and, and, and how those days affected you, and God's been faithful. Are there any um, insights or thoughts you have on, on the, the church returning from COVID? Uh, essential non-negotiables that the church needs to pay attention to that maybe they didn't pay attention to pre-COVID, but now have paid attention to post-COVID or during COVID that may be, may be helpful to pastors. You know, one of the things that the Spirit of the Lord reminded me of and taught me afresh is the fact that, uh, we've already kind of touched this in a way, is that um, the church is made up of people who are committed and then others who just basically are dropping in and will drop out. As you know, I mean, it's nice to have visitors, but not all visitors stay and all of that. So what the Lord has, has reminded me of is in this COVID time has been those who want to be there will be there. Now here in, in our city, um, they're a little more lax when it comes to um, indoor meetings and all at our city and our and our county is mm -hmm. and so I, I i've told the people you know that uh you know we'd love to have you and if you can be here please come and we have a section in the back of our uh, of the church there for uh, masks only for those who are concerned for their health and all mm -hmm. and so um you know what what we've been doing is we've been adjusting but at the same time i believe there's been a, a way of purging, mm -hmm. you know, so that those who are showing up um, want to be here, which is kind of cool, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're supporting the ministry, and that's been a good thing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I, I'm not taking this lightly. I had COVID. My wife had COVID. Uh, we just, I was just talking to one of my assistants, and we have in the last uh, about five weeks or so, 17 deaths, you know, in our church, not all COVID-related. Mm but about half of them are COVID-related deaths. Wow. And so, wow. you know, it's been a very real thing for us, you know. So I've, I'm, I'm, the, I'm that pastor who doesn't want to put the, the church in danger by exhorting them that they're faithless if they don't show up. Right. You know, I, I really believe that we need to treat the ones who are weak, you know, to treat them with respect and love and encourage them so they can grow. Right. And those who are strong sometimes are a bit arrogant and they need some humility because they don't have compassion on the ones who are weak. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. Paul would speak to the Romans and mm -hmm. to the Corinthians. And so what we've tried to do is we've tried to to uh, do the best that we can to minister to them. So we have outside seating, you know, we have we've um, have space between the pews and all. And the church is slowly, slowly coming back. 
And the neat thing about it for us is that, uh, you know, you know, Bill, how it is. You're given a message, it may cut to the heart a little bit, and people get mad and walk out while you're speaking. <laughs> well, that's not that's not happening anymore. The ones who are here want to be here. Hmm. You know, they want to hear, and they're supportive. And it's actually been a boost in my in my ministry. It's been a boost to me personally to know that those who are here really want to hear. And we're starting a new ministry. We just started a ministry to to um, minister to those who have recently um, been uh, released from incarceration. And so we have ministry with, uh, I think we have about 12 or more men who have been in prison who are, are now uh, here. They got released and they're being ministered to through our ministry to the, you know, we have a, a prison ministry. And just this Sunday, I was standing in the front of the church getting prepared to go up to teach when this, uh, this fellow walks up to me and taps me on the shoulder at, and during worship, and I turned and looked at him, and he said to me something like, he said, Pastor, he said, I was locked up for 42 straight years. Oh, my. He says, oh I was my. just released. I've been coming to this church now, and I want to thank you for uh, taking care of me and for teaching me, you know, God's Word. And, mm. and so those are the encouraging things that once in a while the Lord will have a little appointment for you, mm. something, un, you know, un, unexpected to just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing, mm. you know? And yeah. so those those are things that I'm, I'm going through right now in this COVID time, yeah. Yeah. and it's been a blessing. That is golden, that is so golden. So how how you doing, uh, Pastor David? How, how's your health, and you know, just sound, you sound great, you sound like you got, uh, you know, a full tank of gas. <laughs> uh, what do you see moving forward? Sounds like you can go for years and years. Well, you know, I was talking, I was talking to Chuck one time, Pastor Chuck, and I said, Chuck, you've been a good teacher. You've taught us a lot of good things, but you never taught us how to retire. Mm -hmm. I said, so, so. I said, what, when, when should I consider uh, stepping out? I said to him, when should I, when should I? And he said this to me, and this is kind of what's been propelling me, to be honest with you. He said, I said, Chuck, when should, a, when should I retire? When should a pastor retire? What is your thought on that? And he said to me, he says, well, when there's no joy in doing what you're doing. Hmm. And that's why Chuck was preparing a Bible study the week that he died, because mm -hmm. he loved what he was doing, and he died in the saddle. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the Lord is saying, you know, uh, just keep going until I tell you to stop. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm looking ahead. You know, I, I realize that, that I have other things that the Lord would have me to do, mm -hmm. and it may not include pastoring this church as the senior pastor. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking ahead. I'm preparing for that. But I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I'm a little physically tired. The COVID that I went through has really, it really took my energy. Mm. But I, I just, I'm just more on fire right now for feeding my sheep than I've been in a long time. Mm. I'm seeing God do some wonderful things. We just had a men's breakfast. Uh, we had over 600 men come to a breakfast, Bill, mm. you know, and, and I was blessed by that. And, and our women are doing great too. And so... I, I, it's just, I think that God has, has left me in the pulpit for a while, and I told this to the leadership a while back. I said, because I believe that the Lord wants to provide stability, and, and after 50 years of walking with the Lord, that's something I can provide for this church, you know? And so um, those are kind of things right now. I'm being more involved in, um, in training people. I have a mentoring class that I do. I've been doing now for a few years with with a number of men in the church every other week. I meet with them, answer their questions, give them a devotion. Mm -hmm. You know, these are leaders and, and people who want to lead. 
and I'm having a great time doing that. And we're going to be celebrating the church's 40th anniversary in a few months, and mm -hmm. we're going to have a, a big celebration. Prayerfully, we'll be able to have more people show up, you know, at that time, hopefully. Um, but it's, you know, we're just, right now, we're just um, just sailing on, you know, just moving forward and learning. You know, I want to learn as long as I can, and, and I'm, I'm still learning, you know, <laughs> to do ministry and to love people and to know God's voice and walk in His Spirit, and I'm excited about the future. That's great. I'm encouraged by, by what you shared, and I think a lot of guys that listen to this will be, you know, the the fact that you're energized now and, you know, more than you have in a while to, to feed the sheep. Not that you ever stopped feeding the sheep, not that the Bible ever became unimportant to you or to the people, but there's a new energy that the Spirit has provided. And for me, I can just hear listeners to this podcast, David, saying, you know, does that mean that there are sometimes can be ebbs and flows uh, in, in our ministry? And the answer uh, from from what you shared is absolutely yes. And to move forward in the power of the Spirit and see what God wants to do. I, I think of Paul the Apostle in Philippians 3. You know, here he is in prison, and he's he's agonizing over what the Lord had apprehended him for. I mean, he's still moving forward to try to find out. He wants to know, what have you apprehended me for? He didn't think that he was finished. He, he felt like there was a lot more to do. And as it turns out, there was for him. They're, they're, among other things, they're called the prison epistles. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, one more thing, David, do you want to share? Uh, we usually take a couple minutes at this part of the uh, podcast to have the, the guest pastors say anything they'd like to say to senior pastors to strengthen them, that their churches might be strengthened, and it can be on or off topic, whatever whatever's in your heart. You know, the thing that I try to encourage myself in, and I encourage others too, is to love the sheep. You know, to love the sheep. The, the Greeks came up and were speaking to a couple of Jesus' disciples, and then they said, we would see Jesus. You know, and, and I, I, that's been a real heart uh, kind of verse for me in my own ministry, to remind me that they're not coming to hear any spectacular speech from me, and they're not coming uh, to hear about my building programs or my, my wonderful testimony or exhortations to a variety of things that mean something to me. They want to see Jesus. And if I had a word to say to the pastors who, who may have remained through this conversation, it would be, make sure you get out of the way. You know, make sure you get out of the way. Um, give them Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't give them yourself. Paul said I was to the Thessalonians that he was blessed to give them not only the Word of God, but his very life. You know, he could, he could speak to the, the uh, Ephesian elders there in Miletus, and he can... He can say, you know what manner of life I always lived amongst you. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a, a living model. And the result of that is their tears when they began to cry because he said, you will see my face no more. And so I don't want people to cry with tears of joy because I'm no longer there. <laughs> I, I would want people to, to have a, uh, a sense that this man loved us and he poured himself out for us as Christ did, taught us, you know, even as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, he, he loved us and taught us, didn't take advantage of us, didn't look at us as being uh, trouble, but in fact, he, he looked at us as being what he was charged to care for. You know, if, if, the, if the pastor can stay away from the temptation uh, of, of women and of, of money and of, uh, of pride 
if he can be aware of those things and remain faithful, and then God will use him. Mm-hmm. And, and to not worry about the amount of people he speaks to, but be concerned that the ones he does speak to are being well-fed. Um, Pastor Chuck said, healthy sheep beget sheep. You know, don't make numbers your goal. Numbers and buildings do not in any way, shape, or form uh, reveal the true walk of Christ in that pastor. So what you are in the pulpit needs to be what you are when you're no longer in it. And so my encouragement is just have a personal time with God, love Jesus, and let that pour out of you when you speak to people. And if you do that, if you make sure that you take care of giving them and feeding them God's word, God takes care of everything else. Mm, Wonderful. Simple, profound at the same time. Thank you so much. Uh, David, for joining us today. It's really been a blessing and encouraging to my own soul. Thank you, Bill. Well, many of Pastor David Rosales' teachings can be found on the church website, which is found at calvaryccv.org. That's calvaryccv.org. And it includes this great series called Let's Talk Marriage, which are 15 short episodes featuring David and his spouse, which are going to bless any pastoral marriage. That would be great for any pastoral couple to to actually sit down and listen to. Very practical. So thanks for joining us, all of you who have uh, tuned into this podcast today on Strength for Today's Pastor. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and strengthen you in your life with Jesus and in your service to him. Hope to have you again with us next week. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by Pointman Ministries. You can find us at pointmanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question or comment, or if you have a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. May the Lord bless you as you serve Him, His pastors, and His church.